so yesterday was the winter solstice in uh, North America anyway, the uh, longest night of the year. And uh, yesterday afternoon and evening, I sat in on two Dharma sessions online. And the first one was with Larry Ward and his wife Peggy. And then the second one was with Tanisara and Ayasanta Chita and a few other people. Um, because, uh, you know, the solstice is one of those days. It's like I, there's so many... Uh, sacred days during this time of year, so many religious holidays uh, across the world. There's Hanukkah and and Christmas and um, the Bodhi Day a couple of weeks ago commemorating the, the enlightenment of the Buddha and, um, so, and a lot of others um, because it's this, this particular time of year, it's the longest day excuse me, the longest night of the year, as I said, in the Northern Hemisphere. And there's a lot of um, reflection. There's a lot of uh, uh, kind of a quiet drawing in at this time of year. And um, it's also, and it's sacred to many religions now, but also sacred to many religions over the centuries. And um, I know Tanisha last night was pointing to some pagan roots of some of these uh, some of these practices and some of these uh, religious holidays. And um, it's also a celebration of a return of the light because for, since June, we've been slowly, the dark has been getting longer and longer and the light has been getting shorter and shorter. And now we've, at, we've met that day where the reverse is, is, is happening. The sun is, um, I'm not going to talk planetary things because I can never remember how that works so but we're now moving towards where the light gets longer each day and the dark gets shorter um, and so that's also a part of it a celebration of the return to light and um, uh, you know I love the dark but that's not true of a lot of folks. A lot of people, um, you know, the dark is represents a lot of uncomfortable things. And, um, you know, perhaps, you know, we're oftentimes raised to be scared of the dark because that's where the monsters dwell in the dark, in the, in the, in the caves and in the cellars and in the, the nooks and crannies. And so we're at this time of year where there's this darkness. And so it seems to be that uncomfortable time. I love the dark, but I, I was I was thinking about it, and um, and I think I love it not because I like to hang out with monsters, so to speak, but I thought it was a place to hide. So for me, the dark is a hiding place, which is um, which is has its own um, baggage, but um, you know what we do is what we often do is. So I like the dark on the outside, but I don't like the dark, my internal darkness. And we do so much um, in our lives not to have to deal with the dark. And um, we fix it, we cover it, we paint it over, we plaster it. Um, we do whatever it is to say, oh, it's not, you know, it's not there, la, 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 stick our fingers in our ears. Um, live in denial about what um, the discomfort is, what those those challenging places are. And by dark, I mean challenging places. I mean discomfort. I mean painful emotions, um, difficult memories, difficult situations. 
um, not just the darkness in the sky, but it, it, it means so, it can mean so many other things. Um, but we cannot have one without the other. There cannot be a darkness without light. There's no light without darkness because otherwise it would just be all one and there's no distinguishing um, feature. There's no distinction, um, no differentiation. And <coughs> this practice in a certain way, although the, I don't think the Buddha really spoke about it in this way, is an invitation to be present for the dark, to be present for those challenging moments that we spend a lot of time running away from. Um, I, it, you know, to, to make it personal, I, as I mentioned, I like to hide in the dark. Well, I was probably hiding in the dark from the dark. Um, you know, from those challenging emotions, from those memories that were painful, from, from um, not understanding how to move through the world. Maybe if nobody, you know, it's the ostrich syndrome, stick your head in the ground and nobody will see you and then you'll be safe. If, if I can't see you, then you can't see me. Um, that always works. So, but the, again, throughout the centuries, there have been all these stories and all these um, um, uh, accounts of people turning towards the dark. I think the one that's the most famous is St. John of the Cross, where he talks about the long, dark night of the soul. And I, I talked about this in a talk a couple of years ago, I think. But that's where you get to sit and really turn towards the difficulties, the emotions, the the feelings that can be so challenging. You know, we've we've spent so much of our life. And if we're if we are trying to walk a path of awareness, walk a path of waking up, walking a path of clarity, walking a path of, of kindness and compassion. There, I think, will, and honesty, you know, this, this clarity is a path of honesty, of honesty with others, of honesty with ourselves. And if we're willing to walk this path of honesty and clarity and wisdom, there will come a time when we have to acknowledge this stuff, when we have to acknowledge this, these painful moments that keep rearing their ugly heads. I was, I was talking to someone this week who um, was talking about a difficult situation, you know, a, a relationship that has brought, brought recurring difficulties over the course of her life. And she said, do I really have to sit with this? Do I really have to be with this? Um, and then, and, and she even laughed in bringing up those, those age old arguments that we have of, you know, if I were better, then I wouldn't feel this. If, if I were just, you know, if I could just get things together, then I wouldn't have to feel this way. And how many of those, those um, conversations do we have in our head or, or criticisms or judgments do we carry with us? If only then. <clears throat> and if those are, those are ways we try to mitigate the discomfort of the moment discomfort that journey into the dark that <clears throat> that that journey to um, become 
at ease with the darkness because as i said earlier you there's dark there's darkness and there's light there's yin there's yang there's balance there's there's both in our lives there's praise and there's blame as you know the buddhist teaching of the eight, um the eight worldly winds there is pleasure, there is pain, there is gain, there is loss. There are all these things. There's this one and then the other. It's a very, there's a lot of binary um, couplets in, 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 in Buddhist teaching. So there is the darkness and there is the light. They, they, they exist together. And if we, we can't always chase the light, because that's chasing something and denying something else. And that, excuse me, this is at the tail end of this cold. That's, you know, what the Buddha talked about as the root of our discomfort, our dissatisfaction. Our duke, the dukkha comes from our inability to be with what is. So if we spend so much of our time running from darkness, running and being in denial, um, it, we don't get anywhere. It just, it just bogs us down. And so that, that the invitation, I love that word, the invitation of the practice, the invitation of the practice is to greet the dark as much as we greet the light. It is part of life. This discomfort, the challenges. And, and I, as I said, I was listening to, the, um, sat in on this Dharma talk with Larry Ward last night, and he said two things that I thought were really <clears throat> great. He said, there's no need to recognize, no, excuse me, no need to fear the dark once we recognize it in ourselves. There's no need to fear the dark once we recognize it in ourselves. And there's no need to fear the light once we recognize it in ourselves. What can be so scary about the dark is the unknown factor, the, un, the unknown quality. And when we turn and face it, when we face the dark, we make the unknown known. How often do we get caught in these ideas of what something we there's something that's going to happen and there's a vague unease about it and then we blow it up into this huge story of and this is going to happen and what if and what if and it becomes terrifying it becomes overwhelming and no wonder we don't want to face it because it seems insurmountable how will i ever do that how can this ever happen because we we've created this scenario about the unknown and it's terrifying, just like when you were a kid and there were monsters under the bed. Or you watched that spooky, I watched The Twilight Zone when I was a kid, because that's always a good show for a kid, where the wall kind of disappeared and the little girl rolled into the fourth dimension. So every night when I went to bed, I banged my hand against the wall to make sure I wasn't going to roll into the fourth dimension. You know, that's unknown. Um, but... When we look under the bed, shine a light, we see it for what it is. When I bang on the wall, it's not the fourth dimension that I fall into, it's a wall. 
we see clearly now, but we don't see clearly until we face it. If we never look under the bed, we have all kinds of stories about what's under there. We have to be willing to look. And this practice, if it makes sense for us, is to look under the bed, look into our hearts, look into our bellies, turn towards those scary, scary ideas, those feelings that may be painful. And when we can see them for what they are, this story, um, then it doesn't be, and it's not so scary anymore because we recognize it in ourselves. We see that fear. And just as this, there's clarity in this practice, there's compassion and kindness in this practice. So we're able to not greet the dark with aversion and anger, but we can greet it with kindness and compassion, which softens it, which softens it. When you're no longer um, putting up walls or barriers, it's much easier to come into relationship with the difficulties. When we have the barriers, the aversion, it intensifies the difficulty. It makes it even worse. Um, and, and, you know, he, he said there's no need to fear the light once we recognize it in ourselves. The goodness is also true. Because how many of us have those stories, that those, those stories of doubt that were planted in us? You know, not good enough. Not smart enough. Not cute enough. Not whatever enough. You're never going to get there. And who knows where they came from. Sometimes they're just those, those tapes that play. And we don't question them because we're not even aware of them. They're just in the background. Oh, I'm not going to do that because it'll never work. Or I, I struggled with perfectionism, so if I didn't think I was going to get it right the first time, I wasn't going to bother because I couldn't bear to be imperfect. Deep conditioning, deep conditioning, deep conditioning. That's a scary place to look at to say, oh, maybe I can do it? Greet the light as well as the dark. So just as we balance, we balance everything. So it's not just about going towards the dark. It's also about going towards the light. Greeting the goodness that's in us. You know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the Buddha's enlightenment. And when Mara, or when Mara the personification of, of greed, hatred, and delusion, said, all right, dude, who do you even think you are to, to think you can be enlightened? And the Buddha put his hand to the earth, and the earth bore him witness, and it was basically, because I am. And that's true for all of us. You know, we all have lightness. There's light in each of us, just as there's dark in each of us. And to hold each of it, all of it, without preference. It's not easy because evolutionarily our mind, if that's a word, uh, because of evolution, our minds have developed the tendency to dwell on the negative because that makes sense for survival. We have to pay attention to what's going on, but that tends to override the positive. So we have to make the effort. And I think it's something like we have to spend five times more 
focusing on the positive to have it um, um, kind of, of uh, dilute the negative, which is why I always do the invitation for gratitude practice at the end, that spending time in gratitude, and Rick Hansen talks about how when you notice something pleasant or pleasurable, take the time to be with it because it does have a beneficial impact on the brain. Focusing on the pleasant, focusing on what's, what's, what's uh, beneficial. And by spending time, I'm talking 15, 20 seconds. You know, and today I went, for, I was, went for a walk about, I think it was about 3.30 in the afternoon and the sun was kind of going down and but the clouds in the sky were just exquisite, just exquisite. The light at this time of year is just beautiful, and the sky can be so gorgeous. And so as I was walking, I just kept looking at the sky and just taking it all in, taking it all in, enjoying the beauty, enjoying the beauty. Turn towards that when it's there. It's, a, you know, it's about recognizing the joy recognizing the joy so freedom liberation is in opening to the light and opening to the dark you know opening to whatever is present welcoming whatever's present as i said no preference you know recognizing when there isn't discomfort as I said, the mind tends to dwell on the, on the negativity, so recognizing when there isn't negativity, recognizing when there's calm, recognizing when there's ease. That's, the, that's some of the beauty of the practice and some of the beauty of the teachings, because mindfulness is that foundation, and the, the teachings are to recognize what the sensations of discomfort are, recognize when we're caught in craving what's that feel like in the body what's those stories of shoulda coulda woulda recognizing the aversion and the restlessness and the worry and the and the dullness and the doubt we, instead of buying into the story we say oh that's a story of doubt that's a story of aversion or anger or hatred jealousy envy that's a that's a story of craving attachment Wanting, naming it for what it is, not believing it's the truth of who you are, and then letting it go, releasing it if you can, and then coming back to the calm, the, the, the investigation of what's actually right here. What's the experience right now? And maybe there's some calm. Maybe there's some ease. Maybe there's a beautiful sunset. Maybe there's a delicious meal that you can enjoy. Maybe there's a loved one you get to spend time with. Being fully present for the, for the beneficial. Recognizing when you're not caught up in dukkha. Even, even if there's discomfort, there can be ease because you're not at war with it. It's like, oh, right now there's some discomfort. I've had a, you know, this, this um, cold this week, 
which has had its moments, but it's like, okay, it's like this. I'm not berating myself. Where'd you go? Who'd you see? Why didn't you wear your mask that day? Rah, rah, rah. It's just like, here it is. Here it is. How do I, how do I hold it? And had some really lovely moments in the middle of it. You know, so to recognize when there is the ease. And, and, and Larry said one other thing that I really like. He said, sharing the light, our light, your light, doesn't diminish it in any way. It's kind of a little bit of a different thing, like sharing in this act of generosity, this act of kindness, this compassion, you know. Being that, that, that light, being that, that, that person who, um, you know, they say, don't be a Buddhist, be a Buddha, uh, meaning trying to cultivate this, this path of walking through the world without causing harm, with kindness, with compassion with gentleness, with clarity, you know, that, that doesn't, it's not diminished, this, this generosity of time, of spirit, there's, there's plenty to go around, it's not finite, we, we live in a, a society that believes there's a, a lack, um, but uh, this, this sharing of our, of our, of our time, our generosity is only um, it really, yeah, it's kind of like the bottomless well. Um, taking care of ourselves, not stretching ourselves beyond our limits, absolutely, but um, recognizing that, uh, yeah, we don't have to hide. We don't have to hide in the dark or fight the dark off. Um, it's part of who we are. And to welcome it, just as we welcome the light, welcome the dark, and... Um, I guess you know, <laughs> what I'm thinking about, what just popped into my head, is I, I always laugh and say I always get depressed on December 21st because it's going to start getting light because I love the dark so much. And I'm like, oh, no, it's gonna, and it's going to be June, and the sun's going to be up all night. Eh. And I want to go back to Helsinki in November because it was so dark, and I loved it. And, and in the story in my head, so, uh, you know, I have to... I have to welcome the light, is what I have to do, is what I'm hearing myself say. So anyway, my friends, I, um, those are my thoughts on this, this uh, reflection of this time of year, of the solstice and the, and the recognition that there's both, there's lightness and dark in our lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your, your generous attention. And I uh, hope this has been of um, some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystankavich.org backslash support. Thank you.